This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. We are here with the Week 12 Slate Please note that anything we say at this point could be subject to change based on what COVID allows to happen. But there are games that are going to be played, and we are here to preview them. So without further ado, let me introduce my co-host. I'm Madison, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother, Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, looking forward to a good week. Last week was a little bit of a downer. Uh, thankfully, had the Masters to, to prop it up, to prop the, the weekend up sports-wise, for me at least. Um, obviously with all those cancellations last week, we're seeing some this week. So unfortunately we are, uh, we are missing a few, uh, good matchups, but so far, knock on wood so far, so good. Uh, seems like we're going to have a better slate this week. Excited to dive in and give y'all some, uh, hard hitting, uh, stats and, and info on these games. Absolutely. Let's just jump right in Pierce. Uh, the first game we have to talk about is one that I really didn't think would be a marquee matchup at the beginning of the big 10 season, but here we are. The number nine Indiana Hoosiers are going into Columbus to face the number three Ohio State Buckeyes. Both teams are undefeated. Hear that again. Undefeated Indiana Hoosiers. But the question is, does that stop today? This likely will decide who emerges from the Big Ten East. The line here, Pierce, is set Ohio State minus 20 and a half. That's a lot of points, people. Uh... The question becomes this. I don't think there's a lot of uh, – there's not a lot of discussion about whether Indiana is going to win or not. I'm not hearing many people being bold enough to take Indiana outright. But the question is, are they 21 points worse than Ohio State? Uh, Ohio State, of course, missed last week when COVID took down their opponent, uh, Michigan State. Indiana sitting at 4-0 so far, having taken down Michigan State, Michigan, Rutgers, and Penn State. You can argue that that's a whole bunch of nobodies, though, Pierce. That being said, Ohio State hasn't really played a lot of people either, but they do have one of the best players in the nation as their quarterback. I think Indiana covers this one. I don't think they win. I'm not bold enough to say that they win by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think Indiana covers this one. I think that they are good enough to at least give Indy, or not Indiana, Ohio State a little bit of the run for their money early. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. is looking pretty proficient for them, uh, and I think that the week off is going to be hard for Ohio State to uh, pick up right where they left off, but ultimately having Justin Fields uh, is going to propel them to win. I just think this is more like closer to... 18 points, 14 points, that kind of thing. So this line does feel abnormally large, um, especially because there's been so much hype and so much talk this season, and rightfully so, regarding Indiana. And and it's a great feel-good story. You hit it. Who have they played? I, I mean, you look at you look at their opponents, Michigan State, garbage. Rutgers, probably the best one of the bunch, which says a lot. Uh, Michigan, awful. And Penn State, who they almost lost to. So, you know, it took a, a miracle drive at the end or a great drive at the end, at the end of uh, the of regulation to get it into overtime. And it took a miracle play, a once in a, a lifetime type of play in order to win that game. So I think you're playing, you got, it, there's a little bit of fool's gold there. And, and, and I personally really like this line. I think it's appropriately uh, uh, pitched here uh, with the 20 and a half. 
I love Ohio State. One of my favorite games of the weekend for, for if you're playing the lines. Absolutely love what they bring to the table. They've had a week, an extra week to prepare for Indiana, so they're not going to take Indiana lightly. Second off, they're going to be highly motivated because they also know only playing five games, we've got to show our stuff in order to really portray to the college football uh, uh, playoff committee that we deserve this. They've, they, they are going to come out super hungry, and I love the fact that they did have that week off to if they had anybody that was a little bit dinged up, they got healthy, got some uh, you know extra week of treatment, didn't have to put their body through a, another tough game. So I, I love Ohio State in this, and I'm going to take Ohio State minus the 20.5 over Indiana. The next game, the Illinois Fighting Illini and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, the line on that one is Nebraska at home minus 15.5. I got to say, Pierce, Nebraska is looking like, not this year, not not with everything going on, but Nebraska is looking like I, I'm going to give Scott Frost the benefit of the doubt. I think that they're going to build to something. I really like Luke McCaffrey. I said it last podcast, hey, McCaffrey brothers, if there's another McCaffrey you want to send to Athens, Georgia, we'll take him. Uh, he is a freshman, though, uh, so I don't necessarily put a lot of trust in him immediately, but Illinois stinks. I mean, I think Illinois is the worst team in the Big Ten, and I don't even think it's close. They're really, really having a tough time. They were able to get the run going last week. And if I'm looking right now at these team stats, these two teams actually match up pretty well when it comes to the paper. Uh, I just don't know uh, how close this game really will be, which is why I think that the line is set the way it is. But when I look at Nebraska's ability to pull away from teams, I don't think I've seen enough from them to think they can put an Illinois team away. So I'm going to go with Illinois to cover this spread. I, I do think Nebraska wins at home, and I think that they win big. I just don't know if it's 15.5 points big. Uh, I am going to go with Illinois for that reason. They're doing pretty good so far. I mean, they're half, they're 50% at covering the spread, whereas Nebraska, uh, you know, they only have the one game uh, that they even won. Did they cover the spread in that one? Yeah, well, if they beat the they beat Penn State, duh, I'm an idiot. So they they did beat Penn State, but who knows really if that's really saying much of anything. I, I do like I said Illinois to cover this one, so I'm going to take the Fighting Illini. Wow, I like that pick. I I assumed you'd go with Nebraska after their big win last week against. <laughs> they haven't shown enough to show Penn sixteen State. points better though. Agreed, agreed. And it seems like you you look at, through the game log that for Illinois this season, and they've played pretty well, albeit against Minnesota. That that was their one outlier. Pretty well against teams that they know they have a chance to to, to hang in there with, um, that they're not intimidated by. And, and you look at Nebraska, and they've, you know, their one cover of the season, you know, uh, they've only played their games, but was last week against a, a, a Penn State team who's just not great. So I, I, I lean Illinois in this one because I do think Nebraska will have a little bit of a letdown. But then again, I, I got to go with my gut here, and I got to take Nebraska, who I think is going to be the more physical team up front on, on both line of scrimmages. They're going to come out, and I think Frost will have them playing well. That that infusion of McCaffrey has obviously been a major thing. I think that'll make, pay dividends for them as far as not having a, a, a speed hitting a speed bump here. Frost also also will obviously help with that and have these boys ready to play. This is a game that they should come out and and coast in the second half to a victory. I got Nebraska. Flipping over to the SEC, the LSU Tigers and the Arkansas Razorbacks. This one's been weird, Pierce. It started off, Arkansas was about a two-point favorite. That line has now flipped to now at home they are a two-and-a-half-point dog. 
Sam Pittman will be back for the Arkansas Razorbacks. He, of course, had COVID a few weeks ago. That prevented him to be for being on the sidelines versus Florida last weekend. LSU is dealing with a whole lot of crap right now. We don't even have time to get into that uh, really nasty stuff happening right now in Baton Rouge. And it's making, unfortunately, the image of uh, Coach O go down in my eyes pretty heavily. Uh, but like I said, different story, different time. Uh, the biggest point to this is the fact that Miles Brennan is out for the year. Uh, TJ Finley's nothing to scoff at necessarily. I just think that you you need your veteran guy on the road here in a game that, you know, Arkansas is going to be fired up. The line here, if I didn't say it already, is a, yeah, I did. Arkansas is a two and a half point dog. They're my home dog of the week by far. Uh, they're three and four on the season, six and one against the spread so far this season. I think they outright win. I think it's not even close, to be honest with you. Uh, the line has had some issues, but I think Felipe Franks being a little bit more experienced is able to handle that pressure. Uh, you know, LSU's a whole a whole lot of inconsistency this year. They have flashes where I go, okay, maybe there's a little bit of life there, but for the most part, it's a lot of down. And you knew it was going to be. They lost a lot of talent. Uh, they do lead the conference in tackles for loss. So if they can pressure Felipe, maybe... Maybe they're able to get it done. I just think at home, like I said, Arkansas is going to be fired up. They got Sam Pittman back, and they got that veteran QB, Felipe Franks, who's having a pretty good year. I'm going to take Arkansas outright, and I think this one's more of like a 10-point win for them. So this one screams uh, screams trap. It this screams trap. It, 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 yeah, it sucks. It downright sucks. I. The thing about it is I just can't it, – it, it, for me – Having played Arkansas a bunch this season, we we picked a lot of their games and we've we've watched a good bit too. Which well, they've been the biggest delight for me this season. I've it, loved them. Yeah, you know what's funny though, they failed to cover for the first time all season last week, albeit against uh, you know the best best team I think they played. I don't think they played Alabama yet. Um, that being said, I guess A and M could you could argue they're better. They did beat Florida. Regardless, it makes me feel so comfortable taking Arkansas at plus plus points they haven't been favored entire game this season so give me the plus two and a half Arkansas wins this and I, I agree I think Arkansas wins outright I you look at LSU they've they've been incredibly inconsistent they've gotten blown out and had some really bad losses to some not so great teams but then you look at their two wins and they're probably against two of the worst probably the two worst teams in the uh in the conference that you could all obviously throw Mississippi State in there as well but they got beat by Mississippi State this just I don't know how they're favored in this. That's why it does scare me. That being said, I got to go Arkansas here. I've been riding them all year. Um, I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon. The Wisconsin Badgers, the number 10 Wisconsin Badgers, are going to Evanston to take on the number 19 Northwestern Wildcats. The battle of unbeatens in the Big Ten West. This probably, depending on what happens with Wisconsin, I actually don't know where they sit in terms of whether or not they're eligible for the Big Ten. If they miss any more games, I don't think they are. But I think they're riding the line right now. But this will probably decide who wins the Big Ten West. Uh, so we got the battle of the Big Ten East going over. Uh, same, Actually, the early time slot. And then we got this one in the afternoon time slot. So I'm super excited for one, <laughs> one weekend only to watch some Big Ten football. Uh, the line here at Northwestern at home are seven and a half point dogs. Uh, Peyton Ramsey is slowly but surely making a name for himself, but it's nothing compared to what Graham Mertz did in week one. He, of course, was stellar for the Wisconsin Badgers, was a little bit eh last week, eh, but they had two weeks off, so I don't blame it on them too much. I think that this is a statement game for Wisconsin. I think they go out, and I think that they do cover this spread. I am going to take the Badgers 
I think that Northwestern is good. I think Northwestern is better than I even giving them credit for. I just think that Wisconsin, to your point, just like you said with Ohio State, hungry. They got to make up. They got to make up uh, for lost time here. I think that last week we saw some of the rust being knocked off, and even then they won forty nine to eleven. This is going to be their first big test. They played Illinois and Michigan so far, so I could very easily be kicking myself later with this pick. But Nebraska, or not Nebraska, Northwestern hasn't really played anybody either. Uh, sorry, the ends are throwing me off. Uh, they haven't really played anybody either. They took down Maryland, Iowa, Nebraska, and Purdue. Those are a bunch of woofs. So I think that ultimately this is where the rubber meets the road for Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin Badgers. I do think they get it done. Uh, and I think this is more, this is close, close, close until it's not in the fourth quarter. So that's, I'm going to take Wisconsin in this one. I like that a lot. I, I, and I really, everything you said, I agree with. Reading into this a little bit more today, at the last few days, this is the Super Bowl for this is the biggest game of the season, bar none, for Northwestern. This is the first time in, I guess, uh, last two years, but it's a it's a rarity for Northwestern to be in a position like this. I think they they think this is their best team they've had in a long time, and I, and 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 playing Northwestern. On the road in Evanston is a incredibly difficult task. Urban Meyer said it recently. The most difficult place that he played in in any conference at any school that he coached at was against Northwestern. They grow out that grass and make it really thick, and it slows down the team. They look like they're running in, in just mud. I mean, it is just it's so slow. I think you'll see that again. If this was at se- if this was at seven or under seven. I, I'm all over Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin a lot. I, I I think Mertz is a superstar. I think this team actually will have a chance to make the playoffs here in a year or two. I think Mertz will uh, will struggle a little bit in this game going up against uh, the best defense he's faced to date. He is young. He's, he's he'll be prone to a couple you know missed mistakes here and there. I think Northwestern will come out and be hungry, and I like that hook of seven and a half just in case this does come down to a you know a touchdown late from Wisconsin. I'll get that hook. So got to go Northwestern. Um, But this is a very close matchup. The number seven Cincinnati Bearcats are quietly putting a name to or putting a a claim to the name of potentially making the playoffs. And and that's a lot of controversy surrounded in that. Not controversy, but um, it's very it's a very polarizing topic right now. But they certainly seem to be the best group of five team to potentially have a shot at the playoffs. They are going to be taking on the UCF Knights down in Orlando. UCF had been that team that Cincinnati is this year. They had, uh, you know, all of the momentum. And I think a lot of Cincinnati even having a shot at the playoffs or being talked about for the playoffs is in large part to the fact that UCF has had such dominance over the past few years. They had won 21 straight at home coming into this season. They are 5-2, and two, though, uh, this season. A little bit of a disappointing uh A couple disappointing outcomes for them, having lost to uh, Tulsa and Memphis so far on the season. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is a dude. This this team is averaging 619 yards of offense a game. The Knights are. That's crazy. Uh, That's that's a lot of points. They don't have a defense, though. (laughs) Their defense is giving up about 450 on average. Cincinnati, on the other hand, also has a dude with Desmond Ritter. They're able to put up a lot of points and yards as well, but they hold teams to less, uh, and their defense is a little bit better than the UCF Knights. So this one's going to be a downright shootout, in my opinion. If I didn't already say the line, UCF plus six at home, and I'm going to take I'm going to take UCF to cover. I think I'm probably going to lean towards Cincinnati to win this one. Uh, I just 
I, and I say that I've picked against Cincinnati, I think a couple times so far this season. Actually, though, that's a lie. I've rolled with Cincinnati almost every single time. And now that I say it, yeah, no, I have. I hope. Yeah, I have. And because, and, because, yeah, because I usually am just like, whatever. I, I, yeah, you know, when the game day picks, pickers will be like, oh, well, you know, my boy went to Tulsa, so I'm going to take Tulsa. It's like, you don't know crap about them, but you're going to take them. That's kind of what I've done with Cincinnati you mean this the year. guest pickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 the yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be like, they'll be like, yeah, you know, shout out to my boy, Tulsa. And you're like, that was no I analysis. With, I played with a guy for a couple years at, in San Francisco and he went to this school. So I'm going to back him. I'm going to follow his school. Yeah. And you're like, what? But I've been doing that with Cincinnati, even though they've been the real deal. I've been kind of hesitant. But I've been like, shout out Bob Mack. I'm gonna take Cincinnati. Uh, but I just think this this UCF team is gonna be enough to give Cincinnati run for their money. This is the closest Cincinnati gets to an upset. I think this is kind of where you start to see the the momentum behind the potentially getting the playoffs back off a little bit. I do think they potentially win. I just think it's uh, I think this might be one of the most exciting games of the weekend as well. It's gonna be a, a an expo of offense. I just think six points. I'm gonna take UCF at home. I think that uh, I think that they have what it takes to give this Bearcats team a bit of a scare. So that's for that reason I'm going with the Knights. What about you? I like everything you said. I, I, the rundown was perfect. And and you're right. This is a spot where Cincinnati, it just feels kind of like a, a, a trap, not a trap game. It's not a trap spot. Just feels like it's a tough scenario given the fact that Dylan Gabriel on the opposite side, no matter how good your defense is, if you've got a quarterback that's a good as good a quarterback as Dylan Gabriel is, he can beat your team. Good offense beats Good defense all day. It, it just does this day and age. So that scares me. It also scares me that Ritter's not equally prolific with his arm. He he relies a lot on the run um, as well. He can throw it, but he he he's done a lot of work this year on the ground. And, and their team as a whole, that's their identity. They want to be able to run the ball. They're much more like an SEC team in that regard. That being said, I hate that this game got to six because it opened at three. That being said, Cincinnati, I've got, you said it, you've rode with them all year. They've only failed to cover one time. UCF is 0-3 covering at home. That doesn't bode well for them. And here's the, the deciding factor for me. Cincinnati, they're starting to build this hype of, okay, we deserve, we, we have a shot to get in here. Let's start really talking and making this a big deal. Kind of like UCF a few years ago. And you see that is a huge motivation for these players. They can't have down games. They just can't. And I think Luke, uh, Luke Fickle will obviously have this team ready to play. I think this ends up being a 14-point game when all is said and done. Maybe it's close, and then Cincinnati's defense just takes over. Not enough uh, surrounding Gabriel for the UCF Knights to get it done. So I got the Bearcats minus six. The Virginia Tech Hokies and the Pittsburgh Panthers – uh, are going to be having a little bit of an afternoon meeting. This game really has no implications, but it is an interesting one. It's going to be, I think, pretty close. The line is set. Pitt is going to be picking up three and a half points at home. Uh, Virginia Tech's big storyline is Khalil Herbert was banged up, has been banged up. His hamstring's been uh, a little bit of a nagging injury for him. Um They ultimately lost last week to Miami, but just barely. It's going to depend a lot on how Khalil looks, if he plays. I hope he plays, because I'm going to take Virginia Tech in this one. Um, They're looking to stop a three-game skid. They had an embarrassing loss to Liberty, and then they lost barely to Miami. Uh, Both of those games at home as well. They're on the road. They're going to have some revenge, or not revenge, but vengeance. Uh, I, I think that... 
they are good enough on offense to give Pitt, this really good Pitt defense, enough of a run for their money. And I don't think um, that Pitt is going to be able to stop the Virginia Tech run game. So I am going to take Virginia Tech. I've already said that once, but I'm just trying to reaffirm. I'm trying to talk myself into it, if you can't tell, Pierce. I keep going, well, but maybe, but maybe, but maybe. Um, Like I said, I do think the run game is enough to get it done. Pitt's defense is good. I think that just late Virginia Tech is able to uh, go up by a score and they win this one uh, on the road. Like I said, they've got a little bit of a uh, revenge factor coming. Pitt's coming off a blowout win to FSU. Maybe it's a little bit of a letdown situation. Uh, So I'm going to take the Hokies in this one. Man, I, I, I don't like either of these teams. I feel like we've, uh, maybe not maybe not you, I know myself, I've been on Virginia Tech's side a good bit this season, as well as Pitt, and they just seem to burn me. It's just a, it's just a reoccurring theme uh, with these two teams. Don't like this game. I'd stay away from it at all costs. But for this podcast, for this Pick'em segment, our, our, our yearly, uh, yearly tally for, for bragging rights, I'm going to have to go Virginia Tech here. I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm sure I'm going to hate this. I actually, I don't know if you saw it. In my head there, I made about four or five flops as I was leading into that pick. Because I don't know. I don't know. I did the same thing. Did you not hear me? I could be like, give him to get Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah you I, paused one time I and I thought you were about to start Virginia over. I was like, Tech. yeah, I think at the end of the day, they're just able to do enough on the ground. I hate that they're favored. I hate that they're favored. I think this is a game where it comes down to it's... A, a, a coin flip. It's a coin flip. I think it could be, you know, a one or two point game. I think it's appropriately uh, handicapped here at, at three and a half. But boy, I know I'm. I know I'm going to look back on this game and go, "Why? Why are you doing this to yourself by not taking Pitt?" But I'm going to go on the Hokies here. I think Khalil Herbert and Hendon Hooker are just a little bit too much. And Khalil Herbert was coming off that hamstring last week and didn't get really didn't get into the flow of things. Only had I believe eight carries. So look for him to be more involved. And I've heard he's had a good week of practice. So. Expect him to get involved early and often and Hendon Hooker to uh, feed off of that as well. I think the Hokies get it done minus three and a half. Back to the SEC, the Tennessee Volunteers on the Plains to take on the number 23 Auburn Tigers. I Could could you say, Pierce, is it an overreaction to say that this might be uh, the, the, the loser coach of this might get must-champed? This is a coaching for your lives type situation. Is that an overreaction? Uh, boy, I don't know. I think I heard something today that I thought was a very good point and... It's not that, you know, Tennessee is not necessarily in a position where they're, I think they need to or should fire their coach. I think it would be kind of crazy if they do. The buyout's pretty large. I think they're, uh, they're, they're definitely, Tennessee's definitely in to, to have one more year with Pruitt at least, see if he can get this turned around in some form or fashion. But what scares me is if Muschamp being gone at South Carolina makes Tennessee uneasy, by maybe Tennessee goes, oh, God, they're going to get one of our coach, hint, hint, Hugh Freeze. I don't think that's happening. I think they're going to go after Billy Napier. But it's one of those situations where if Tennessee does continue to lose, Fulmer's going to look out there and go, well, do I want to sell my soul to the devil and and go after clear-cut best coach that will have this program turned around in a year or two? Maybe they do. Because it's such a crazy year in, in, in you know its own right. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but but I'm going to go no. I think my gut tells me no. I don't know if Philip Fulmer is ready to do that quite yet. Well, do you know what's so. funny, though? I, hearing you talk about it, I'm kind of thinking through my own process. I agree with you. I think what we see with coaching carousels is is teams, one, don't want to be the first. You don't want to uh, 
pull your guy too early. You don't want to show your hand too early because you don't want to be the first team necessarily. So teams will wait. But once that first domino falls, it's kind of to your point. The, the ADs who are already having discussions about like, we don't know if this is our guy, they start going getting antsy real fast because it's like, oh crap, we're looking at our, our board, our draft board, if you will, and we're going, well, that guy might be called by them. That guy, we don't, well, this is our guy if he gets taken. So you get kind of antsy. And we have seen teams uh, cut the cut the court a little bit too early on on uh, coaches because they think my guy's out there he's eligible they're going to go after him I want him uh, so even in a pandemic year we're, we're seeing that no coach necessarily is 100% safe I also think that the losing AD of this might go well crap all right you know what that's fine go call uh, Hugh Freeze because I think both these teams would would give their uh, their both arms for Hugh Freeze uh, to your point, I agree. I don't think South Carolina would go for. I think that they're going to go for Billy Napier. You saw Gunnar Stockton, their uh, QB recruit, their QB QB commit, who they're hoping to retain. Did just follow Billy Napier on Twitter. Um, you've talked about it. I don't know if we were on podcast or not. Hugh Freeze's dream job would be Tennessee, and we know he'd be a good fit at Auburn. Auburn loves to have a coach that might be willing to break the rules a little bit. So, uh, I, I think that the losing AD goes, ah, oh, crap. All right, that's fine. You know what? Call Hugh. Um, so we'll see there. But I agree with you. I don't know necessarily if they they cut they they uh, cut ties right away necessarily. But uh, let's get back to the game at hand. The Auburn Tigers at home are ten and a half point favorites. Tennessee. I mean, both of these teams have been kind of this year, but Tennessee has been downright ugly. They had a very promising start. They came into Athens and people thought, hey, could they shock the world? And then Jarrett Garantano went and proved why he is uh, a very lackluster fifth-year senior. Let me interrupt you for a second. Yeah. Not only did they go in there and people thought they were going to win, but the buffoons at Tennessee, y'all know who you are, also, after that game, said, well, obviously we're not there yet, but it's not a loss. It's not like a bad, bad performance. You know, we didn't play well and we were still like somewhat in the game until, you know, the late in the third quarter. So well, and to be fair, we thought Georgia was a national championship. Team. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you got to weigh things differently throughout and in the same way that if you're a Georgia fan, you're going, man, we, we really struggled versus Arkansas. And you look back now and you go, well, maybe that wasn't that big of a struggle. So things just weigh differently from week to week. But yeah, to your point, to, I agree with what you just said. Uh, Jared Garantano, they've had a lot of quarterback controversy. Uh, don't even know if he's probably going to get the start in this one. I don't know if they roll with somebody different. Who knows what Jeremy Pruitt is thinking. Bo Nix, on the other hand, has also been inconsistent, but he's shown more flashes of um, competency, I should say, than anybody lining up under center for the Volunteers. Uh, Tennessee is averaging just three, oh, just over 300 yards of offense a game. That is not going to be enough to get it done versus this Auburn team at home. I think this one is a blowout for the Tigers. And and even when you just break it down, their records, it's two and four versus four and two. Now, granted, Auburn had a couple of very close controversial finishes. But when you look against the spread, Tennessee is just one, four and one against the spread, whereas Auburn is about 50% on their games. So I am going to take Auburn to cover in this one. I don't think that they're necessarily... Uh, either team is necessarily anything to write home about. I just think that Auburn has too much, and the Volunteers are just not that good. So I am going to take Auburn, like I said, uh, minus the 10.5 points. I'm going to lay those points and give me the Tigers. Yeah, this I, I hate both these teams, uh, obviously, knowing where my fandom lies. But I uh, I also just – these are two teams that I'm not – I just don't like playing. I don't. I haven't picked them much this season. They're – They've, uh, they, they, you know, they've, they've struggled this year, considering what their expectations were coming in. 
I, I, I lean with you. I, I'm going to go Auburn here simply for the fact that I think that they have the slightly better running back, and they certainly have the better QB. I think Tennessee will be able to do some things against Auburn. I think, believe it or not, I think their defensive line and, you know, I think their defense might be able to slow down Auburn a little bit. I think that offensively they're going to struggle against Auburn, but they're going to be able to put up some points. I do think they'll be able to run a little bit on them. But at the end of the day, I got to hitch my wagons as much as I hate to say it, but to Bo Nix, only in this game. I'm not a huge Bo Nix fan long-term. Haven't been going, I wasn't going into this season. That being said, he does know how to win. I think this game is one of those where Auburn's up seven, ten points and finds a way to kick a field goal or, or score a touchdown late and, and pulls away and covers this spread. I like anything under 14 here, but it would be a normal stay away, uh, you know, if I was really playing this game. But I like Auburn. The number 21 Liberty Flames are undefeated as they head into Raleigh to take on the NC State Wolf Pack. The line here, Pierce, is minus three and a half uh, North Carolina State giving those three and a half points to Liberty. Hugh Freeze has the boys rolling. 8-0 for the Liberty Flames. Never thought I'd say that, but here we go. Liberty Flames 8-0, and they're recruiting pretty well, too. Don't don't look past that. I've been watching some of the uh, commits and offers. They've been uh, shoveling out there. Pretty good uh, things from them. Just a matter of time until Hugh moves on to bigger and better things. But uh, for right now, it's very fun. Fun storyline to watch there. Um, Bailey Hockman, to me, is the difference maker here. He is, uh, first of all, near and dear to my heart, even though he did transfer away from school, which makes me sad. Uh, he has thrown for over 500 yards in the last three games. So it's going. he's going to be matching Malik Willis there for uh, the Flames offense. They are The Flames are almost getting 500 yards of offense a game, which is unreal. And a lot of that has been on the ground. About half of that, over half of that has been on the ground, I should say. But the North Carolina Wolfpack is actually pretty good on defense on the ground. Uh, I I don't know. Hmm, this one's tough for me. Because my head goes, well, damn, yeah, take NC State, of course. My heart goes, well, this Liberty team's pretty good, though. I don't know. I don't know. I, I do think I'm going to take NC State, though, uh, at home. I'm going to lay those points. I think that ultimately this is just too much for Liberty. I think this one's a close one until it's not. Like I said earlier with another game, I think this is one of those that's close, it's close, it's close. Oh my gosh, Liberty, and then it's just not. So I'm going to take NC State. I think Bailey Hockman's the difference. I think he's a dude. I think he's coming into his own. And I think that the run defense, or yeah, the the, the rushing defense for NC State uh, are going to be able to stop the Flames enough on third down to, to, to get the ball back. It'd be too much for Hugh Freeze to coach against. So I am going to take NC State in this one. What about you? Boy, uh, I think this is one of those spots where I struggle to get off the the Liberty bandwagon. I I do. I've been, you know, it's one of those. That's rightfully, rightfully so. Yeah, and it's one of those spots where everything in my, everything that I'm reading, not not reading necessarily, but everything that I believe in screams NC State here. So I love your pick of NC State. I, I, you know, you look at some of their other games, they are going for their third ACC win of the season. Liberty is. That's crazy to say. They've they've already beaten Syracuse, and then obviously they beat Virginia Tech last week. Um, that being said, and they have had a, an off week. They did have an off week going into this game, so you expect them to be prepared. But I I, I do think NC State has maybe the the better dudes, and NC State's been great against the spread as well, six and two this season. They did lose to Virginia Tech, which is a a, a surprise, and they lost to Virginia Tech with their starter. 
I'm not 100% sold on Bailey Hockman, to be honest with you. I'm going to go Liberty in this one. I don't necessarily love it. It's merely a uh, it's a principle game for me. I, I've been riding Liberty all year. I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon because I want to be right when they do beat NC State. So I'm going to go Liberty here uh, in, in a in a in potentially crazy game. The Mississippi State Bulldogs and the number thirteen Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, these two teams have been disappointing this year. We obviously, being Georgia Bulldog fans, have been. Uh, I mean, I've been sent for two weeks just absolutely in a terrible, piss-poor mood after the loss to Florida. Uh, Mississippi State Bulldog fans, you, you, ha- you thought, hey, we, we might have something here. And then just when you thought you could have something, uh, it turns out that the LSU game might have been more indicative of how bad LSU is and less how good you guys are uh, as they're in Starkville. So uh, take that for what you will. The line here, though, is massive. 25 points. What? I haven't seen anything from Georgia that makes me go, yeah, they they can beat this any team by 25 points necessarily. That being said, I'm going to take the Bulldogs. I mean, you've got two weeks since you lost to your arch rivals. Just got demolished by your arch rivals. Yeah, you could say there's nothing really that they can play for. But I think Kirby Smart is the kind of coach that you don't quit on. And I think he's the kind of coach that doesn't have a mentality in his program of, well, there's nothing to play for. We're just going to mail it in. He's They're not a pack-it-in type of team. Um I think that, not I think that, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what happens at quarterback. Now, we've been going back and forth, you and I have, for the past two weeks. Everybody in Georgia has been going back and forth about, is it JT Daniels' time? Is it finally JT Daniels' time? We've been saying that since Alabama. Is it JT Daniels' time? Is it finally time for JT Daniels? It looks like it's finally going to be the debut of JT Daniels in Athens. Take that for what you will. Is there a reason he wasn't getting on the field till now? Is he just not that good? Or... Have we just been playing it cautious? And we thought to ourselves, well, Stetson Bennett's been fine. I'm a little bit nervous about it. But at the, that, that being said, I think the the switch up of the mojo, uh, you know, I think it's going to instill a little bit more confidence in the team, a little bit less of a pack-it-in attitude from the coaches. Supposedly, they're wearing black jerseys. It's at home. It's at nighttime. Yes, it's not a full crowd. Uh, versus a very lackluster Mississippi State Bulldogs offense. And that's putting it lightly. Georgia's defense was supposedly generational. They've obviously been super banged up. I mean, the, the, both sides of the ball have been pretty banged up. Uh, I'm going to take Georgia minus the points here. I'm nervous to make that pick because, like I said, I don't think that they're 25 points better than any team necessarily, and I don't think that they're necessarily the type of team to put their, you know, pedal to the metal and just go. But I, I think they maybe can't stop it for first Mississippi State. I think this is just one of those games where you look up and you go, well, damn, we're not trying to score, but, but we are. I'm going to take Georgia minus this one. I think JT Daniels has a coming out day. I don't necessarily think he's the answer at Athens, don't get me wrong, but I do think that it's finally time to, to shut up the haters. And, and it's not like you're playing for nothing at the same time. You do have next year to look forward to. So I'm going to take Georgia in this one very, 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 very hesitantly. Interesting. Uh, like your like your breakdown of this game. It's, let me let me reiterate one more time. It's less so because I think Georgia's so good. It's more so because I think Mississippi State is so bad. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I so I'm a little bit different on the Georgia side of things this, this week, but I'm with you on everything you said about Mississippi State. I think this line is very indicative of what I've been telling you all week and what we've been also reading all week, and that is JT Daniels is going to start. Vegas was pretty aware of the news. Handicap this correctly. And also, they know you know Georgia's coming off a, a, a 
incredibly physical game with Florida. Lewis Seen, I believe, will be back this game after that vicious uh, collision that he had with Kyle Pitts. That's a that's a boost in the back end. Plus, you're going to have other guys that you know get you know got get back on the field because of it. Now, I know LeCount's not going to be playing this week. That that really hurts. But I'm not scared of anyone on this team. They've their best player, Kylan Hill, obviously opted out a couple weeks ago. I don't care who they put at quarterback. They don't scare me. Really, the only thing is, is can we score enough to cover this? And I, I, I'm with you. I think JT Daniel starts. I think he has a good game. I don't think – I think you'll see some cool things. I think – my hope is, obviously, his knee truly is back to 100%. Obviously, there's been a lot of crazy rumors and crazy stories coming out. I've heard numerous different things. I think I've nailed down what it exactly is. Apparently, he's reached that threshold, though, and and now he is ready to go. And – it's not to say he's out of the woods yet from his injury. I'm hearing some rumblings that there will have to be there will be something this offseason potentially in the form of a surgery to to clean up his knee a little bit more. That being said, it won't cost him a season next year. He'll be ready to go, I believe, after a couple week or a couple months. So I think Daniels, this is going to be they're going to throw everything they can at Daniels and and let him just absolutely go full bore because why not? Why not? And I think this ultimately that the the line the, the Line is crazy because the line is 25 or 24 and a half. And the over-under is like 44. <laughs> I mean, so they expect us to score, what, 35 and Mississippi State score seven potentially? Or no, less than that, 30 to to 14? Yeah. Something, something like around that. there? Yeah. That's crazy to me. But I think this ends up being a 31, 34, maybe yeah, 38 type of, of performance by Georgia. And, you know, like a 10-pointer for uh, – for Mississippi State, maybe even less. I think Georgia does pull this out. It's going to be close, but I do think D- Daniels has some fantastic throws in this game and, and shows that you know we brought him in here for a reason and we're happy to have him, and he will be the starter clear-cut going into next season. Last but not least, we've got Bedlam, the number 14 Oklahoma State Cowboys and the number 18 Oklahoma Sooners. This game doesn't mean a ton this year, although it does have implications for the Big 12 Championship uh, the Battle of the Spencers, if you will. Spencer Sanders and Spencer Rattler, Rattler are the quarterbacks, respectively, for these two teams. Chuba Hubbard uh, is looking to make a name for himself as he looks towards the draft. Oklahoma State in this one, seven-point underdog on the road. I'm going to take the pokes in this one. Their offense is not necessarily lighting up. I mean, I'll put it this way. Oklahoma, much better of an offense than Oklahoma State when they can get going. But on the flip side, Oklahoma State has a much better defense. Uh, I think it's too much. I think they're able to rattle Rattler a bit, and I think that it throws the freshman off. I'm going to take Oklahoma State outright in this one. I think that they win for the first time in Bedlam Bedlam, since 2014. I'm taking the pokes. Uh, I think it's close. I think it's close. But I do think that they went out right, like I said. I think this one's more of like a three-point game. But if they're getting seven, give me the pokes all day long. Yeah, I'm with you. I love that. Love that pick. I'm I'm over Oklahoma State all day in this game. Sharp sharp action uh, is certainly on Oklahoma State's side right now. The line opened at nine and a half on some sites and is now down to seven, despite having public money slightly slight public money. It's not crazy, but slight public money on on the Sooners. It is a rivalry game. I think Oklahoma State obviously being bummed about the Texas loss and and eliminating them from playoff contention. They bounced back well against Kansas State, winning that game. 
people keep saying Oklahoma's turned a corner. They've they've turned this corner. They're 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 back to the Oklahoma we thought. I mean, really? Have you seen who they played? Texas, okay, great, great win. Texas is clearly not not what we thought they were going to be this year. TCU played awful in that game. They're clearly not who we thought they were coming off that Texas win in Austin. And then they played Texas Tech and Kansas, maybe the two worst teams in the Big Ten or Big 12. How can they have turned a corner just playing those teams? I think this is a really big test for them. I love Oklahoma State here. They've got the firepower on offense. Heck, their one loss against Texas, they outplayed Texas. Take away one of those turnovers, unfortunate turnovers, and they win that game. Texas Texas was outplayed. I think Chuba Hubbard uh, and and um, and their quarterback, I'm going Spencer blank. Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders. I, I couldn't get. The battle you, of the Spencers. Your, 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 your rattle, they're going to. Rattle rattler. That threw me off so much. I was going, how long say have you been waiting to best. say that? I thought of it on the moment. Good rattle, gosh. Rattler. I mean, that's, that's absurd. But anyway. So I love those two guys, what they bring on the offensive side of the ball. Plus, they've got some good wideouts. And then their defense is very good. It's very underrated, too. So I I think they're going to be able to hold this Oklahoma team. I think this is shockingly a lower-scoring game than you would expect out of these two teams. Um, I know this is the lowest point total for for a game in this series in like a decade, maybe even more. So, uh, But I like Oklahoma State in this one, especially getting the points. And I I agree. I think they uh, pull out maybe a three-point win here um, in the Battle of Bedlam. There you go. Hey, I got a question. How many of the picks did we have the same? It was a lot. Let's see. I Yeah, I tried to go. That doesn't uh, bode well for so you. So Ohio State, Indiana, we chose different. Nebraska, Illinois, we chose different. Wisconsin, Northwestern, we chose different. Okay. Cincinnati, UCF, we chose different. Oh, so it was just kind of the, okay. To me, uh, it just felt It like, was towards the end. Yeah. The yeah, last okay. four, Auburn, Georgia, role. Oklahoma State, Liberty. Those were, uh, we were all on those two, on those five teams actually with Virginia Tech. So, okay. Well, I was going to say that doesn't bode well for you. You got to make up some uh, ground. Well, at this point, with how well you've done, why would I, why would I not try and tell you? Just riding my coattails now. I mean, hey, why not? Why, why not? That'd be dumb not to. That's true. I'll just widen that gap if you don't. I mean, well, I'm bound to turn it around. My easy peasies are on fire. Nine, nine, two, and one in the last, uh, four weeks, five weeks. Yeah. Well, speaking of easy peasies, it's time for that segment. It's everyone's favorite segment. It's the time where we tell you how to win money. Pierce's easy peasy games of the week. Not that we condone gambling here at Bragging Rights, but if you were to gamble, here's where we think the best bets are. Interesting week this week. Uh, love some of the games. Love, uh, don't like some of the games, but I found some 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 plays today or this week that I think are clear cut winners and love to can't wait to 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 make y'all more money nine two and one run in the last five weeks, uh, absolutely loving it. Trying to make y'all some more cash, so let's get to it. First and foremost, we broke it down earlier uh, in this podcast. Ohio State minus twenty and a half over in Indiana. Ohio State's going to be hungry. They need to show out at every opportunity. This is a high profile matchup against a ranked opponent in Indiana, who is their only competition on that side of the Big Ten. Uh, and Fields obviously still wants to make a statement, and he is the best player on the team. I think you look at what Indiana, who they've played, and really it's a who's who's of nobody. Um, they're, they're, they haven't played really anyone with the talent that Ohio State has. Ohio State will come out in this game and absolutely obliterate Indiana. I love them to cover this 20 and a half. Second, a little crazy. I, I kind of hinted at it in our, uh, our last uh, breakdown. Battle of Bedlam, under 59. Crazy. This under, I don't believe, has hit in in the last like six or seven years. Really? It's also the lowest it's been in like a decade plus. 
Oklahoma State has a good defense, very underrated defense. I think the difference in this game is Spencer Sanders can turn the ball over. Very prone to that. So can Spencer Rattler. He can turn it over as well. I think there will be some go back and forth. Despite them, being, you know, both teams being able to move the ball a little bit, I think they'll be a little bit slower paced, trying not to get ahead of themselves, trying not to force their quarterback to make too many crazy throws. I think this game stays under the 59. And last but not least, been riding this team all year. No, no reason to get off them now. Failed to cover for the first time last week. I know that's going to scare some folks off, but they failed to cover by one point. And in fact, the the line I got them at, they pushed. It was a little bit of a letdown spot. They're playing a, a, a great opponent in Appalachian State. I got to go Coastal Carolina minus the five over App State. No reason to get off uh, get off Coastal Carolina now. Keep riding them to victory. I'm going to add one. I'm going to add Ooh. take the under in Florida and Vanderbilt. Wow. It's set What's at that 68 at? points. And now Vanderbilt's doing better on Ooh, offense. That's a great, I like that. They, they're doing better on offense than they started off the season. This Florida defense is historically bad. But I think that. Florida is going to have to cover that by themselves in this one. So take the under in that one, 68 points. Ooh, I love it. Well, y'all heard it here, folks. We, uh, we've we got four four locks for y'all. <laughs> I say locks. I joke. That's, a, that's no, don't, every don't gambler's lock any last. Of my picks yeah. up. Well, I, if you faded me on every I, pick, I'd, I, I'd understand. I'd go, okay, yeah, I can tell sense. you, love these four picks. Uh, I gave y'all three, three great options there for you. Obviously, Madison gave one that I also will endorse. Go ahead and cash those checks and take them to the bank. Hey, cha-ching. All right, let's wrap it up here. Before we get to our overreactions for week 12, make sure you're following us on social media at Pod. That's Bragan without the G on Instagram and Twitter. You will catch my mimosas with Madison on Saturday morning over there on Instagram where I break down what games to watch what to keep an eye on, and why you should care about this week's slate of games. We also have live tweet coverage of the games. It's going to be the first time in a while that I'm going to be able to be posted up by the TV for the entire day. Saturday's going to be awesome. It's going to be I'm gonna all day up, football. do a little spin workout, and then I'm going to come sit my butt on the couch and watch all day football. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I know you're one of those people that gets a little bit anxious with night games. Are oh, you going to oh be struggling with... No, no, uh, I love them. Don't get me wrong. I love them. Because when we have a game, like if we have an 11 o'clock game, then I'm sitting there going, well, damn, what do I do for the rest of the day? Like yeah, I watch I games, but it just feels like, you know, all the hype is over and it's the build up, the build up, the build up is so much fun for a night game. But I'm going to be sitting there chewing my freaking nails off waiting Could for Could you this imagine uh, being an LSU fan and having uh, every game be like that? No, because, well, when, <laughs> and, and when they're good, oh my gosh. But see, that's the most fun is the payoff. Of the game is finally there. The build up, the build up, the build up. The build up's the most fun part of any game. To oh me. yeah, of course. You know the hangover that comes afterwards, and I don't mean like a literal hangover. I just mean like in general, well, like that, that <laughs> yeah, might I mean, happen too. Depends. Now. Depends how the game goes. Uh, yeah, I think that I I would much rather have a night game than an early game. Like I don't understand in the Big Ten they covet the eleven o'clock spot. Yeah, which agreed. granted eleven o'clock for God's time. Agree. I mean, I, it's Saturday though. Like I, I don't, I don't. That's, like, yeah, I should not I, be watching my team play football with my morning coffee. Well, and it's one of the it's one of the uh, negatives or one of the things you can kind of nitpick and say that's the reason the Big Ten kind of gets overlooked because they aren't in these primetime spots where a lot more eyes are on them. Um, that's a great point. Let I them mean, help the Pac-12. No, but they're typically so late that, that people on the East Coast tune out. Well, they're primetime and then really late. True, 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 but true. But when so. you're the primetime spot, you're, you're... You can nitpick arc. this every day, though. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah you whatever. covet the, pri- the primetime spots. But 
I mean, hey, 6.30, it will be interesting. I, well, the I, best spot is 3.30. When we play at 3.30, uh, yeah. that's my, like, this is great. Because if you're at the game, now you've been able to have some time to tailgate. You're not rushing to get to the tailgate and then to the game. You can still make dinner afterwards. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, this, you know, 6.30 games, it, it'll be interesting. This game wouldn't have got me fired up, Georgia and Mississippi State. But the fact that Georgia didn't play last week, they're coming off that loss. And there's this excitement with JT Daniels potentially starting that, it's it's it brings a different buzz um, uh, to this game, but excited we've got some good games and uh, some potential upsets here uh, looming. Let's uh, cross our fingers that Corona doesn't uh, bite us in the butt here late in the week. All right, like I said, follow us on social media, share this podcast with people. We love to see the community grow. We want to interact with you. We want to have uh, more of a listenership so that we can continue to make these podcasts. We love to sit down and talk about football. Uh, We appreciate any bit of listenership that we gain and if we would love to see this thing grow. So share it, rate it, review it, all of those fun things. It really helps us out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's head in with our overreactions and wrap this bad boy up. I'm sorry. Not overreactions. Bold prediction. Sorry. Our bold prediction. You want to go first? I'll go ahead. JT Wows in Georgia debut. That was way more than five words. JT Wow's in Georgia. No, you're right. I mean, goodness gracious. Did I, you don't did even, I scare you, you a little bit? No, I'm, I'm, I'm reading it. There's five okay. words there, but I was like, she has no faith in me. All right. Rutgers puts nail in coffin. For Harbaugh. For Harbaugh. For Har- what did Love you? it. it Parentheses. For Harbaugh. For Harbaugh. For Harbaugh. Love it. There you go. All right. That's going to do it for week 12 Bragging Rights preview. We will catch you next week. Until then, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.